You're listening to a podcast made the Johnsonville way. Welcome to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way. I am Krista, and my host today is... Jeff Verhelst. How are you doing, Jeff? Good, how are you? Good. That's the same thing we <laughs> it say It is every, every time. time. It's fine, that's fine. I don't have anything else. How were your holidays? It was good. Good. Everything was good. How that's was fine. yours? Great. We're the best. <laughs> we're very succinct. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a routine, and it just works that way. It it's how are you? Good, how are you? Yep, yeah. everything's good? Yep, mm, good. So we have a guest. We do. As usual. We It'd should probably have a guest. Didn't. Yes, yeah. that would be a little weird. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Kyle Kozlowski, R&D package engineer. Sweet. Well, and I'm under to understand you just started here. Again? For the second I, time? Again. Yes. Again. So, so uh, let's go back. Let's start yeah. with your Johnsonville story the first time let's around. Let's do that. Uh, I went to UW-Stout for packaging and... Uh, Actually got an internship with Johnsonville, started it in January of 2009, went through the summer, and then uh, when it was time to go back to school um, and start taking classes again, unfortunately. Uh, Johnsonville, though, was fortunate enough to give me a position and help out with the SAP implementation and uh, do different packaging specs and things like that for all the different plants. So uh, I was able to do that for the two semester I was back semesters that I was back up at Stout um, and then came back a second summer on my own and had um, a smaller number of project, but projects, but uh, a couple of bigger impact projects. Um, and so kind of at that end of the summer and then my last semester of school, uh, there was a hiring freeze. I uh, wasn't able to get a full-time position uh, after okay. I graduated, but Johnsonville actually uh, sent my resume off to one of their suppliers. Uh, who hired oh. me pretty much on the spot. I had been wow, with them for nice. eight years selling to Johnsonville, uh, various display cases and things like that. Um, and then it was time to make a switch, and, uh, you know, here I am. So well, we were at the tech center before? The tech center oh, probably at, didn't that, exist. at that point in time right. was, uh, I the believe, house. the engineering house, which yeah. was okay. just purchased at the time. So I was uh, living the trailer life over <laughs> at uh, <laughs> the packaging trailer sure. uh, over near Meadowside. So. Okay. So I have a question. What motivates somebody to go to school for packaging? <laughs> like uh, riveting topic. Uh, you just got to cut yeah. yourself a couple times on opening uh, clamshells and stuff like that, and it just uh, clamshells no. are the devil's. Um, right out of right out of high school, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and uh, I had a family member that worked at a corrugated box plant up in Manitowoc, um, and I was just cutting samples for the for the designers there on a CAD cutting table table and I got bored with that but wanted to learn the system on how to do that the uh, design software taught myself that and decided hey I want to get into this and not even thinking about all the different materials that were out there um, literally just thinking about corrugated cardboard as most people call it and um, I went to school for it and uh, kind of was amazed at how many different things there are with you know packaging and everything comes in a package of some sort yeah. um so yeah that was kind of how i got into it 
Well, welcome back. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, having you join the team. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. Uh, so far, so good. I think this is week six, and uh, I'm learning that things are the same but definitely different. It's amazing how Johnsonville has grown. Um, you know, it's it's probably been a couple years since I've been on campus um, in my previous role, but, you know, uh, it's amazing that, you know, there's all these additions and so many more people and so many more names that you have to remember and <laughs> everything else. Yeah. So, some of the same, though, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely, some of the same, yeah, yeah. definitely. I guess the good one stayed, right? <laughs> that's what we like to think. I think it's pretty cool that a lot of our interns do come back to work here, though. I don't think that's quite as common. It seems like you find a place that'll mm-hmm. take you, and you can get good experience, and then go out into the real world, and whoever will hire you. But Johnsonville seems to take in a lot of the interns, which yeah. I think is nice. Yeah, I mean, in packaging group alone, I think there's uh, four, four previous interns oh, wow. that are now full time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. very yeah. cool. It's a great program. <laughs> So I think this is the first time that the portal has actually given us a guest idea because we saw, you know, as new members come into the company, they get a little blurb on the portal with their photo. And I saw in there that you, A, own a Canon. I mean, who owns a Canon? And start B, with that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And B, you do Civil War reenactment. So yeah. where do you want to start? Should we go back to the beginning here? Um, and how did you get into all this? We can absolutely go back to the beginning. Um, so... Uh, in high school, uh, one of my best friends that I'd met, uh, you know, as a, as a senior, um, so probably two years before, so sophomore year, um, met this guy, became friends with him, and um, senior year he comes by me and he goes, "Hey, Kyle, you want to uh, you want to get out of class for a day and help me bring some incoming freshmen yes. around uh, for the history class." And I didn't even know what he necessarily wanted me to do. I just said, absolutely. Um, so one day we went outside early at like 730 in the morning. He's got all this Civil, Civil War wool and, and uh, sabers and leather gear and stuff like that. He's like, all right, here, here, this, these pants should fit. This coat should fit. March the kids over there and do this and that with them. And, and uh, so for the entire day, we took a bunch of freshmen around and uh, – kind of taught him uh, about marching and, and things like that. I answered what questions I could, but really he was the expert at that point. Um, and and afterwards, he's like, do you have fun? I said, yeah, that was pretty cool. He goes, well, you should come to a reenactment with me. I said, well, when is it? So um, convinced my, my mom to let me go on a reenactment <laughs> with a buddy at, at you know 17 or 18. And um, the first reenactment we went to was just outside of Madison at uh, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, still to this day, after 17 years, it was the worst reenactment I've ever been at. Um, really? The weather was terribly hot and humid and usually and don't have allergies. Wool, yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> I don't usually have allergies. And next thing you know, it was allergy city and my eyes were watering. And, oh, you know, no. it was, but it was it was so much fun other than that stuff, though. And I'm like, this is a blast. Got away from, you know, everything for for a weekend and hanging out with buddies. It's it's just, you know, unique camping, you might say. Um, <laughs> so I went to another one and another one and eventually just really uh, got ingrained with it and still doing it to this day. We actually started our own unit um, that's based out of Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Wow. And um, so we've got uh, somewhere between 30 and 40 members, um, you know, from, from family members that have kids. Um 
all the way to just military. So that'd be guys that just work on our cannon, uh, things like that. I actually met my wife, uh, Civil War reenacting, which is pretty unique. Who'd have thought, right? Um, I th- so I met her reenacting and then uh, hung out with her a couple times. She actually probably kill me for saying it but she actually uh, <laughs> like deleted me from instant messenger for a while oh, I, I don't know no. <laughs> but then the flame was rekindled at some point and uh now we've got two Love children finds a way yeah it so does. Finds she reenacts too she does uh she's gotten out of it a little bit over the past couple of years with having the the kids to to mind but uh you know she still uh visits as much as she can thankfully she lets me go to you know, <laughs> between six and eight reenactments a year and even outside of the state and things like that but yeah so now that our, our kids are starting to get a little bit older, um, we're talking about trying to, to get her back into it and kind of have more of a family reenactment uh, be setting. Yeah. So no. what is a woman's role in a reenactment? Uh, in Civil War uh, reenacting language, you might say it's fluff. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it's kind of, it's really a lot of this stuff is dependent on how ingrained in it you want to get. So okay. uh, there's reenactors that I have known for 10 years, and I swear up and down that they were Irish. But no, they they don't have an Irish accent. They <laughs> they just decided, wow. hey, this is the person I'm going to portray okay. at these reenactments, and they're into it from the moment they step foot on you know that that reenacting battlefield. Um, oh. Or you can literally just uh, set up a tent and wear wear you know in my wife's case, wear a dress, uh, look the part, um, cook all day you know on the on the fire, bake and things like that. Sure. But women, um, won't, they're not out on the battlefield, right? Uh, they some of them have are been in, back then, you know, right? If, I would have thought like a medic almost. Yep, like exactly. A, like a, a medic. Nurse nurse would have been. And okay. there's, there was limited um, female participation. Some of them, you know, uh, uh, pretended like they were men and got out on the battlefield. Okay. Oh, sure. Um, but yeah, that's it, in kind of today's modern reenacting world, I would say they're uh, mostly fluff unless they want to portray, you know, if they have... Uh, uh, an inclination for playing instruments and things like that. Oh, sure. Um, so we've got a couple of members from our group that are very musically inclined. So they will sit there all day and, and just play different instruments, and they get just as much of a crowd watching them as we do with our canon. So it's pretty neat. It feels like it's, this is probably going to be another insult, somewhat of a renaissance fair feel where people yeah. have certain roles and it's everybody's just really into the persona while they're there. And yeah. yeah, but a different era, right? Yeah, exactly. And more serious probably. Well, it, yeah, it's not yeah, fun. Yeah, it's shooting it's, things, but it's it's very similar to to any of that. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on what you want to get into, what your interests are, because you may have a slight interest in in reenacting, but you really like uh, black powder guns. So you could be uh, an infantryman or an artilleryman and have different weaponry and stuff like that. And you know, you pass that knowledge along. So it's kind of neat. So what is your role? My role is artillery. Um, so my friend that got me into into reenacting, uh, originally when he was 15, he went to a local reenactment, and uh, his parents drug him to, to the reenactment. Um, he actually, <laughs> when he got there, he absolutely loved it. He thought the cannons were the coolest thing. So he talked to a couple of guys that were there, and they're like, "Yeah, absolutely, you can you can join us for reenactment." Um, and that artillery group had two cannons. Um, so he joined with them, and eventually I I joined that group as well, and uh, we kind of there was there was sort of a divide of a, the young and the old, and so some people wanted to go to the reenactments for rest and relaxation, and some some of the younger guys wanted more, uh, I don't know about party atmosphere, but to stay up late and and have some drinks around the fire and stuff like that. So, um, 
there was kind of divide, so we actually broke off from them, started our own unit, and uh, one of the owners of one of the two cannons uh, came with us, so we had our own cannon that we could use for reenacting. Um, and then eventually, over time, he actually wanted to get into, the owner of the cannon wanted to get into uh, World War II reenacting. So oh, wow. okay. he, uh, he actually sold us the cannon, and uh, kind of from there, it's just uh, we've got the cannon, and we're just trying to get more members and things like that over the years, but uh, that's, that's kind of it. So how long have you had the cannon here now? So we've had the Canon, um, uh, so myself and two, uh, two of my friends from childhood purchased the Canon. Um, we've had it for about four years now uh, okay. that we've actually physically owned it. Um, the Canon isn't like a little, you know, pop gun of any sort. Uh, it's a full-scale, 100% replica. Um, it was actually made in the 80s, but pretty much everything on it is 100% realistic to what it would have been. Uh, the cannon itself, the barrel weighs uh, somewhere to between eight and nine hundred pounds. Wow! The carriage it sits on is uh, solid wood and and steel, and and uh, comes in at total package somewhere around a, a ton for the barrel and the carriage. Uh, it'll shoot ten pound projectiles. It actually does fire live rounds if we want it to. Um, and How long is it? So it's uh, it's probably probably like about. The the barrel itself is probably about four feet, but the entire okay uh, barrel and uh, that's what I'm picturing carriage that it's on probably twelve to fifteen feet. Okay, wow. When it's all set up, um, that ten pound projectile can actually fly accurately about just over two miles. So holy it's, cow, it's amazing. Yeah, so it was way longer <laughs> than I thought. <laughs> wow, the, uh, that's so so well, I mean, it's it's a cannon, but technically it's actually a rifle. Uh, because it's a rifled barrel. So oh. it's a three-inch bore, and it will shoot uh, a couple different types of projectiles. But um, really, it, it was the sniper rifle of the time for cannons. So, uh, again, accurately, it can shoot just over two miles. Um, I heard some, some stats at some point in time where an artilleryman could fire um, at, I think it was, I think the range was a mile. If there was a a house that they were firing at or a barn or something like that. Uh, the first the first round would be your windage and range round. Yep. So you may or may not hit what you're aiming at. Second round, you should be able to hit that item, uh, the barn, let's say. And the third round, you could put it into a window in, oh, that, wow. uh, in that building. So how does that work? Is this like geometry and physics? Like Yeah, they say that the artillerymen were always the most smart uh, in, the, in the military because of uh, geometry... Um, and, and just a lot of math. And so uh, I commented there, there's a couple different types of rounds. Uh, there's solid shot, which that's your long distance one. Um, there's ones that will actually explode either with a timed fuse or um, an impact fuse. So you'd use the timed one for infantry and, and the impact one for more buildings. Um, and then there's something called canister, which would have 27 one-inch steel balls inside of a can. Oh, okay. And you'd put that into it, and you could actually load three of those into the into the gun at once. So that would wow. be for infantry that's 400 yards and in. So it's pretty, That would do a lot of damage. Pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. That went off. Yep. That's like a shrapnel bomb, essentially. It is. It's, it turns it into a, a large shotgun. Yeah. Right. So that is and we have live-fired our cannon um, uh, something like 10 years ago, and... Uh, and I want to say three to four hundred yards was our range. Um, we actually live fired the the solid shot, 
and uh, we were aiming at 55-gallon drums and hit it 8 out of 10 times, which is pretty oh, cool wow. for a bunch of guys that never yeah. never fired That's before. pretty good, yeah. How loud is it? Uh, it's incredibly loud, and, and uh, I mean, I don't know how you put it into, into terms, but when I was younger, I, I should have probably worn hearing protection even <laughs> with just firing blanks during, uh, during reenactments. But um, uh, as far as recoil, when you actually do put in the full amount of black powder and a full, um, an actual round, it would jump a foot in the air and about its own uh, distance, its own length back wow. as the recoil. So it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Wow. So I have to ask, what does a cannon set you back? <laughs> well, I, we got you're a, in the market yeah, for a cannon. Yeah. So we, I mean, we got a pretty good deal on it because we knew the, the the previous owners, and really he wanted the the um, unit to keep going, and that's kind of your main thing that you need is this is this cannon. Yeah. Um, so I think we paid like. Twelve thousand dollars for it, Dang. Um, but wow. you, well, you can actually, people. yeah, you can actually still buy them. They still make them. There's a couple different places in the U.S. Um, Paulson Brothers is actually in Wisconsin. Um, I can't remember what town they are. They're they're north of UW Stout, Menominee, Wisconsin. Oh wow, so, okay, it's pretty far. Up and they they make them. They they collect them. They have. I've been to their facility once, and it was it was incredible. They had, I mean, probably fifty or or more uh, original. Rena- our original Civil War cannons and mortars and things like that. Wow, yeah, it was so interesting. The question I had was how much um, how much gunpowder do you actually have to put in there? Like, sure. So in the Civil War, if they were actually firing this uh, this gun, uh, the projectile itself, the solid one, would be ten pounds. So they, this is also known as a ten pounder or a ten pound cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, the projectile being ten pounds, the amount of powder would be one pound. Okay. Um, when we were firing live, uh, we put in, uh, I want to say, about half of that. Um, just because you don't you want, want there to, to be an accident, far. and next thing you know, it is going two miles. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, we got to go. We got to go right there. Load Back it up. up. Get out of town <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Um, and then for reenacting for the, for you know, on battlefield, mm-hmm. uh, really we use about 10 to 12 ounces of black powder. Um and so what that is, is w- I actually make the rounds for our gun. Um, you take a, a wooden mandrel. It looks like a, a, a wooden liquor bottle almost. Okay. And you actually form some aluminum foil around that and um, completely seal the bottom by pinching it. And so you end up with an aluminum foil cup. You put your black powder into there, uh, seal the top, and kind of form it to keep its, its round shape. Um, and then when it's time to fire... You actually slide that down into the barrel. It's it's set in there. Um, it's not pounded like crazy, but you want it to be in there all the way to the back, um, and then that's what you fire. And then what's left is kind of the back end of that paper cup inside of the of the cannon. Okay. So with our with our unit, and when you're actually firing the gun, um, a full gun crew would be eight people, and they all have wow. their job, and they all know everybody's job. So in the Civil War, obviously, if one person was injured or mortally wounded, um, uh, somebody could fill in very easily. So when we're firing it for reenactments, we follow the same exact procedure that they would have. And and there's a couple things that are tweaked a little bit for reenacting. We have to get that that aluminum foil cup that's in the back of the the gun barrel out of there because sparks and and ambers could be back behind that. So we want to air to the side of caution, obviously, and get that out. Um, we wet sponge it to put out any other embers and, and cool it down and things like that. Hmm. Wow. And how, how quickly can you fire off a, a round? So in, in the Civil War, uh, infantry 
So they've got a musket. They would have been able to fire it three times a minute. Wow. Artillery would have been the same. Wow. So, and, and that's... Every 20 seconds. That is, yeah, and that's not erring on the side of caution. I mean, that's obviously, you know, it's it's time to fire and, and protect yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not taking many safety precautions, definitely, but, uh, but it is, uh, they could, uh, a well... Uh, oiled machine could be uh, three a minute, just like the the infantry with their muskets. So pretty crazy. Like a old timey pit crew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, so everybody knows. What I'd like doing. to learn more about the enactment itself. Is this something that has like a script or a scenario that you? It's kind of different every time. How does that work? Yeah, it, it is definitely different every time. Um, so locally, I mean, there's a lot of different reenactments locally. Me and my friends actually put one on up at Manitowoc County uh, Historical Society. Um, okay. at Pinecrest uh, Historical Village in Manitowoc. Um, so for that one, we actually uh, will take some input from previous years, um, but really you kind of script a battle depending on uh, where where the audience is going to be, um, what kind of terrain you have, uh, different things like that. And in the morning uh, on each day, uh, and this is pretty typical for any of the reenactments, uh, you would have an officer's call. So it's first thing of the day, all the officers from the different units actually come to the meeting and uh, A, we discuss, okay, how is everything uh, for the reenactment? Do you have enough water? Do you have enough firewood? Things like that. Um, but then they get into the detail of, okay, here's what we've got going on for the day. Abraham Lincoln is going from this time to this time. We've got artillery demonstrations from noon to one or something like that. And then they go over the battle. Uh, at least the good ones do a little bit. Uh, now, a lot of times, you know, 10 minutes into the reenactment, the, the actual battle that script may have gone goodbye, <laughs> sure. um, but at least there's some sort of idea on kind of what's supposed to happen, who's supposed to start firing, when infantry is supposed to come out, when cavalry is supposed to come out. So um, there's a lot of logistics. They also have things called tacticals, which is uh, mostly for infantry, and that's here's a here's a woodland area, and um, we're all going to start at, at this time, and they have, like, referees out there that will say, okay, you would have been – You'd have been killed and oh, things like wow. that. So it's almost like uh, you had mentioned earlier, LARPing. Yeah. When we were talking uh, off the mic, it's kind of like that, I guess, in a sense. Okay. Um, and that's really for just reenactors. I mean, that's that's not something that a spectator would want to come to necessarily because you wouldn't understand really what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they're they're scripted and and usually the good ones are. Now, I've been to a couple different uh, national reenactments. Um, we went down to Shiloh, Tennessee, uh, for the 150th anniversary. Uh, I myself have gone to Gettysburg for the 150th anniversary Mm. and those it's the same sort of same sort of deal where there's officers call and things like that. But it's really it's incredible that they follow the chain of command like they would have in the military. Okay. Um, So the 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 way higher ups, the real brass, they go to a certain meeting and then it just kind of follows the chain of command throughout camps. So it's pretty interesting how that happens. But really, it's it's still semi scripted. Um, Does it always have the same outcome, though? No, it it's, really? it goes by battle. So okay. uh, so they could be doing a battle where uh, the Confederates win. The, the U.S. But no, it's a civil war. I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> we just, know what happens. Yeah, yeah. and so some Spoiler that's a good alert. that's a good point. Some of them follow a specific battle, and some of them, you know, hey, we we only have three cavalry here, so we want them to okay. do their part. But then we've got you know ten cannons here, and so we really want to hit home at at the end with all the cannons. And just to put it into perspective, um. A local reenactment, like uh, as local as for Johnsonville, the, the closest one is the Wade House. 
um, which is over in, in Greenbush. I did not know that there were reenactments I, happening in Greenbush. Yeah, I've been there. I know the um, Wade House, but I've yeah, never... So they, have you been to a reenactment? Yeah, at the Wade House, yeah. That's probably one of the more popular of ones in Wisconsin. <laughs> and, um, you know, at any, I think last year we probably had seven or eight cannons aside. Um, you know, probably three, 300 reenactors or so, something like that. Um, so that's that's a pretty big local reenactment. I mean, you could go to ones that are more living history where there's only 20 or 50 people. Um, now you're talking about a national reenactment, uh, and there's a couple different. So Gettysburg, for instance, has two separate groups that put on a Gettysburg reenactment. I think there was something like 8,000 reenactors and wow. 125 cannons. Um, it's incredible. Uh, at Gettysburg, they actually had the uh, the PGA Tour um, grandstand set up for spectators. Cool. I mean, it's it's a pretty big deal. And it's yeah. it's spread out for a lot of acreage. It's it's really neat to see. And that's as a so I didn't go to my first national event. Um, if I've been in it for 17 years, I probably didn't even go to my first national for almost 10 years. And so seeing all these little events was neat. You always heard, you know, oh, there's bigger ones out there, the national events. But then when you're in it, and uh, you know, some people have got pictures of our our gun crew. Um, on the battlefield at some of these and you can't even tell who's who it's like yeah i kind of remember that we were down on this end of the line but <laughs> yeah when there's 60 cannons all side by side uh it's it's crazy and there's so much smoke and there's so much noise wow it's a lot of fun so what kind of numbers do you get as far as spectators for local events uh local events so uh the event that we have in manitowoc that um this is our third year kind of rekindling that um uh, our third year was the best year I would say we had somewhere around four to five hundred a day. Wow! Um, so that was a good year for us. Um, the biggest one in Wisconsin is probably Wade House. It's just been going on for so so long. So many people know about it. Um, plus, it's it's in the later season, so people are kind of like, okay, this is the last one of the year. They they usually try to go. Uh, the reenactors try to go for it, so you get more reenactors. And in theory, bigger, cooler battle, you're going to get more spectators at. So they've they've got a and they've got a beautiful property out there. Uh, they treat the reenactors really well. So that's kind of the benefits of going to that one. And are they all multi-day events or? Most of them are. Yeah. Uh, okay. You you might have living histories where you're just there for the day or or things like school events. So what's living history? Living history is uh, is something like like a school event. So I'll, I kind of talk about them the same. It's more it's less about a battle okay. and more having kind of stations where you may. Um, have a medical station where there's a person that's really knowledgeable about medical from the Civil War. Okay. And they do continual presentations and ask qu- answer questions all day. Um, you're more living the part instead of actually having a battle where you're you're out on the battlefield and have this big event. Okay. So at, at historical villages that are smaller where they right. may not have a large battlefield area, they may have a small battle, but most of it's kind of living history where you have all of your stuff uh, out there displayed and people can come up, ask questions, touch stuff. Um, so we might put them through drill on our cannon. So um, like my son, who's eight, this year we had him uh, dressed up and stuff. We had him uh, starting to learn how to fire the cannon and things like that, understanding the pieces to it and all that kind of stuff. So oh, that's, really cool. it's, that's, I think, um, something that's pretty unique about Civil War reenacting is, is pretty much everyone that's out there wants to teach somebody something. Um and so it's it's kind of it's it's like Johnsonville almost where everyone's really friendly with each other. 
um, very open and, and will help you out. So at, at reenactments, you know, if there's a, if there's a scavenger hunt or something like that, and for the, for kids that they can maybe get a book or candy or something like that at the end, one of their scavenger things might be how far can a cannon shoot? So they come up to us and they're really shy and they're like, well, can you tell me how far a cannon can shoot? <laughs> They're like, not only can I tell you that, but let's go to the cannon and you literally tell them, you know, stand here. This is what they would have done. This is how you would load it. Um, they get to move parts on it, things like that. So they, they get pretty pretty into it. So is there a charge? Uh, it depends. Yeah, it depends on, on the location. Okay. Um, most of them are something like 5 or $10 to get in. There's oh. usually family rates and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's a you know usually an all-day event uh, that people can go to. Yeah, it's... I know we've when I was in Boy Scouts we went to a couple different ones. I know one at the Wade and I think one like by Devil's Lake or something like that. Okay. I don't know whatever it was. But I remember they had like a like a little mini like wood cabin or whatever and there was somebody inside there and you'd go inside as a group of kids or whatever and they'd put on the little demonstration and they'd shit okay in back you know, and they would play the part and like, So my job is to do this and they'd show you everything and it would be, you know, like he's saying, very descriptive and accurate and you could see it and kind of like you said, live that live that moment. Um, well, it reminds yeah. me of Heritage Hill in Green Bay. Yep, we it's, have one there too. Okay, which I went to as a kid. Yeah, okay. it's people stationed in all the different yeah. buildings, and they're kind yep. of yeah. It's one part. of those things yeah. that you remember going as a kid because it's not something um, you were a part of. You you had no idea of what it was, but to see it and and get to have somebody show it to you, I think made a lot more impact. I think. So. I want to go. I didn't realize there were any locally, and I think yeah. that would be really, really. It's a shame cool. it's middle of winter. We'll have to <laughs> plan it. Yeah, I think that actually the winter first. Uh, uh, we don't around here. It can actually. Yeah, wool jackets. Supposedly you're fine. Can, yeah, <laughs> I know. Sometimes on. it'd be better than you know ninety <laughs> degrees. That's <laughs> right. true. Sweating continuously, yeah. but um, I think the first one for the year, kind of up here, is actually the event that we put on in Manitowoc, which is uh, the first weekend in June. Um, but then they kind of run. Just continuous throughout the summer, and usually the last sort of hurrah is down at Wade House here. Okay, interesting. I, I guess. Think, oh, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I think that's something my husband would actually like to go see there as well. Go. So hey. a little day date of it. Um, a day go. date. My question is, um, so you talked about the cannon, but you also the wool jackets and stuff like that. So is it like a fun thing for you guys to go out and try to get more and more like unique pieces, like like this year, like. I got a new scabbard, guys, and like you're like the talk <laughs> of the group, you know, like because you would think there there would be that part of it of trying to make Absolutely. it more realistic and well, get a new coat or medals and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, you can't, or you know, not really. I mean, okay. you can get like voted to different ranks and stuff okay. like that if you're, you know, if you're good at at you know, kind of being the team player and and uh, um, and they do kind of base it off of authenticity. You know, it's not cheap to get into this event, uh, this this hobby. Um, the nice thing is, again, people are really nice about stuff. So there's always hand-me-downs. I mean, I probably oh, sure. didn't own one civil civil war thing uh, for reenacting for the first two years. Uh, I think the first thing I ever bought was a canteen because <laughs> you need water when it's that hot. You know? <laughs> yeah. So over you time, you just can't you have a water bottle. You can't use <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so over time, you yeah. just start to acquire it. You know, and if uh, if you buy one new thing a year. Um, then you can, and you can replace it, you know, I think you're doing pretty good. And that's, uh, that's kind of, um, we do both union and Confederate. Um, our unit does, uh, a lot of times we'll do Confederate being in Wisconsin. Um, and that's for a couple different reasons. You have to have two sides to fight the war, right? right. So, yeah. um, with different events, especially kind of first when I got into it at the early two thousands, 
a lot of these events where reenacting was was a lot more popular um they were they were pretty booked and they actually had to turn people away from reenacting at some of these events so being a confederate group that actually had a cannon we could get involved in a lot more of these events invited to them sure um a second part of that was we were a lot younger and so you can kind of get away with being a more ragtag looking bunch. Um, oh, sure. So you didn't have to have pants that all matched with matching jackets and things like that. It's more acceptable, you know, uh, when you're when you're looking at it. And some some of the uh, some of the stuff is is pretty expensive. You know, a new pair of shoes or what they would call brogans. Uh, I think right now those are two hundred dollars or more a pair. Wow. Um, wool pants you could be talking a hundred dollars. Uh, a jacket, $100, and that's kind of the starting point. You can go way more than that, depending on materials and things like that. Hand-sewn versus, you know, machine-sewn. I mean, it's, uh. it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, but there's definitely that, you know, excitement when somebody gets something new. Mm-hmm. Um, being artillery, we're more, hey, did you see this person brought this cannon this time? Or, <laughs> oh, hey, sure. did you see that original Napoleon cannon that they have? Um, we've actually got one guy in our unit that started to to build his own cannons. So he just builds, built something called a mountain rifle, which is a little bit smaller than what we have. Um, but, yeah, it's just crazy, you know. And, and when, you're, when you're at these reenactments, they, they, all the people that are there kind of become family. And so you, you get to know them and, and all about them and what their ho- what other hobbies are. So when all of a sudden he, this guy was telling me he was thinking about building a can, and I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, I've got a whole machine shop and everything, and and so he did, and in about a year's time, he, he built his own. He got some of the parts, most of the parts he made himself, some he had to order. Um, yeah, pretty incredible. So besides the cannon, then, what's your favorite, like, do you have another treasured, like, item that you have from uh, the Is it this lovely paperweight that's sitting <laughs> on Yeah, the paperweight. <laughs> Chris is referring to, uh, well, why don't you explain what it is? Here? Sure. We'll, we'll uh, post a picture of this on so the So when we, when we uh, actually live shot, our cannon, um, something like, again, 10 years ago or so, uh, we had some rounds made up because the actual Civil War rounds um, were specially made. So there was a hard steel on the front, a hard steel on the back, um, and then they were banded together with a lead band in the middle. And I, I mentioned our cannons rifled, so it would go down um, in any direction kind of smoothly down the rifling. And then when you'd actually fire it, the compression from the back end of the, of the projectile uh, that steel would be pushed forward and hit into the lead band, and then that other front steel, and the lead band would ex- uh, expand into the rifling, and that's what would actually turn turn it as it went out. So the the paperweight that I brought uh, is actually a zinc round that we had cast, and it's actually got the ridges on it already for putting down into the rifling. So it's a little different, but the cost comparatively, uh, if you were to buy a, an actual Civil War round, you know, modern-day round, um, it, it could be a hundred, hundred dollars or more. Uh, we could get away with these for, I think $60 a piece or something like that. So pretty okay. big difference. And so when we bought 10 for that day, just easier to do that. So after firing, uh, we went down range when it was clear, obviously, and, uh, <laughs> took a metal detector and uh, a couple shovels and dug up the rounds that we shot. So oh, I suppose it's and probably how far down did they go? Uh, you know, if I recall, right, uh, a couple feet, you know. Holy wow. cow. Yeah, and it's... I mean, it's it, a heavy thing. I mean, you know, you're, yeah, how so high this, up do you think it gets? This projectile uh, that, that we've live shot that day is something around six pounds. And again, our, our gun would shoot something that was 10 pounds. Um, you know, we had it almost parallel to the ground. I mean, because it was only, you know, four 
three or four hundred yards. Yeah. Um, but max elevation, you know, you can get again, you can get two miles or or more, depending on, on the terrain. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have a a favorite reenactment that you ever went to, or like a great story from any of the ones you've gone to? I mean, how many? How, first of all, how many do you think you've ever been to? Like, did you participated just, in? Or? Yeah. Well, both, okay. I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, I, rough estimate. I honestly, I don't even go to them anymore as a spectator. Okay, I, I, sure. I'll participate in them. Um, I would. I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, the the national events like Gettysburg is so amazing. There's so many people. Um, that's obviously a highlight. Um, that's like your Super Bowl of reenactment. That's that's the Super Bowl. That's <laughs> yeah. the Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> nice. Um, but the you know just the the uniqueness of the different events. So. You know, t- on a t- on a typical reenactment, um, the nightlife, let's say. So after all the spectators leave the park, um, you know it's it's neat because a lot of times you know it's usually dinner time. So s- sometimes uh, different groups will put on potlucks. Uh, sometimes the event will actually feed you. Um, so you're kind of all together there. And then a lot of times the events will have a dance of some sort. So they'll have actual uh, Civil War band that plays. Um, some of them are just more musical and some of them are for dancing. So they'll do actual civil war dances. Um, so does everybody stay in character even after all the spectators uh, most are gone? Pe- most people stay in their wool. Um, okay. uh, there's, you know, some people, their, the shoes aren't the most comfortable, so they'll just change their <laughs> shoes. Yeah. Um, just kind of depends on, on the event and, uh, who you are as, as you know, why you, why you go to the reenactment. Sure. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I, I think one of the neater parts is at night when, you know, let's say there is a, a dance. Uh, you go to the dance, you come come back from the dance at, let's say, 11 o'clock. Um, all you see is candlelit tents and uh, campfires and things like that. And then as you're walking, you might stumble upon, hey, is that, you know, is that music? And, and you kind of follow the music and there could be 20 people sitting around a campfire listening to two guys play play instruments. Okay. And it's just kind of that random stuff that, that is pretty unique about it. Um, that's probably one of the the favorite parts about reenacting. That sounds really cool. It sounds like a fun community. Yeah. You know. So I guess w- going forward, then, is there something you're like a like a reenactment you're really looking forward to, or a piece of something to acquire, or I mean, future? Say, where are you at? Uh, future is, I think, just trying to grow our unit and grow our event. Um, you know, we can only reenact as long as we have, you know, enough people to go to the reenactment. So, um, you know, everyone's got new families or, or families that, you know, finally the kids are out. Now they can kind of come back and, and sure. play with us. Uh, so it's 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 kind of growing um, our unit. Uh, you know, uh, my son, my oldest son is eight. So um, he's starting to get into a little bit. So trying to, to educate him and, and a lot of our members have have some younger kids. So trying to grow them up to to be in reenacting not necessarily artillery um but if they've got an interest in it you know it's it's definitely something that a family can do um and then with our reenactment uh at manitowoc just trying to grow that to be what it was it was um i want to say early 2000s it got to be pretty big and so we're trying to get it back there um just another option um for for spectators to go and and learn about the civil war but also you know help out the Manitowoc County Historical Society. So before we head out here, is there is there a funny memory you'd like to go out on? I can. Okay. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get too long. 
There's a lot of details <laughs> about it, but I'll give the highlights. Okay. Uh, so we went, uh, I mentioned we went down to Shiloh, Tennessee uh, for a national event. So me and my buddy pretty much took every piece of Civil War gear that we had, threw it in my, threw it in my vehicle. We did not bring the cannon. Uh, so we went down there not knowing if we were going to be Union, Confederate, be artillery with a new unit that we just met, uh, fall in with some infantry guys. About the only thing that we couldn't do was cavalry because neither of us know how to ride a horse. Um, so we went down there and uh, figured out where the reenactment was. Uh, not that we were shy, but we were excited and we wanted to get a little lubricated before we talked to people. <laughs> so we, we had some beverages out in the parking lot, which was a bit just a big field. And uh, saw some people that needed help, and they were they had red piping on their uniforms, so we knew they were artillery. And started talking to them, asked them, "Hey, do you need some help? Do you have a full gun crew and things like that?" They said, "Absolutely, sure." So we camped with them, and uh, so after day one of battle, uh, which was Saturday, uh, it was so hot, and we did so much marching around. Me and my buddy are like, "All right, let's get out of here. We'll go get something good to eat." Went to a restaurant, and as we're sitting there, I felt something on the back of my neck and uh, kind of wiped it, and it turns out it was a tick. I, I hate ticks. Oh, God. Most people usually do. So I went in the bathroom, and I checked myself all over. <laughs> as you do. Uh, yeah. So didn't see any ticks. Uh, he did the same. Didn't see any ticks. Went to sleep that night uh, just laying on the ground. Um, weren't even in a tent or anything like that. And I'm trying to get to sleep, and all of a sudden I feel something south of the border. Oh, no. Specific to males. <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? I flew up, grabbed my uh, my pack, and had a flashlight in there. Didn't see anything. Thought, thank God, put it out of my mind. And uh, fast forward to the next day. And uh, it was kind of a lull between battles, and I was talking to my buddy and telling him the story of, yeah, last night I thought there was a tick on me again. He's like, oh, that would have been terrible. He's like, could you imagine down there having a tick? So after the second day of, of battle, uh, it was time that the reenactment was over. We went uh, from Shiloh to Nashville, and we were going to spend the, the night there. First shower in a couple days, water's on. All of a sudden, I spot something. Oh, no. And it was right on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's horrifying. So I, the worst ever. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. So, uh, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout. I've, I've got limited, you know, I mean, I've, I've got some knowledge on how to get ticks off and stuff like that. Not in such a tender spot, <laughs> you might say. <laughs> and oh, it's not something no. you really want to ask help for. Either. Right. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, and I, when I saw it, I, I walked out by my buddy. I'm like, dude, it happened. And he's like, what? And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. So we called up a friend that had a tick on his back uh, a couple weeks prior that he didn't know about. So it was in there for a while. I called him up, and I'm like, hey, you know, there's a time and place that we're going to laugh about this. But uh, <laughs> I told him what was going on, and he's like, oh, man. He's like, they, you know, I said, do you, did they tell you anything at the hospital how to get it off the better next time or something like that? He's like, no, I've just been told heat, use heat. And I'm yeah. like, uh Oh, and I've heard not to do that. I've heard of like a hot needle, right? There's like 8,000 different remedies right. for ticks. I don't know. Yeah. Pull straight out. Yeah. That's all I heard. No twisting. So then called up another buddy that's a veterinarian. Oh, um, there you go. And I'm like, animals, uh, he works with horses and stuff yeah. like that. Animals always have ticks on them. Yeah. Called him up and he's a southern guy and he's like, well, you know, what you need to do is go down to the corner store, get a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> light one up, get it real hot and touch the cherry right on it. I'm like, 
There is not a chance. <laughs> I am doing I don't such think a you thing. You understand what I'm trying to ask you here, sir. So my buddy went, you know, hung up with him. My buddy went and got my first aid kit out of my vehicle, came back with a bottle of Jameson. We each did a shot, and he's checking himself over in the other room, and I'm in the bathroom, and I'm I'm taking matches, and I'm trying, oh, to, trying to do this thing. It's not working, not even close. So I went to, uh, went to the emergency room downtown oh. Nashville, and that was uh, a whole interesting story about the different people that were there, but... Uh, there was, uh, we waited there 40, 45 minutes, and finally the doctor comes out. Younger guy, upbeat. His name was Javier. Still remember it. And, um, You'll never forget that yeah, guy. This is a moment. Well, there's another person I won't forget, too. It was, so so I, I walk in, and I said, hey, are you aware of the situation? And he's like, I am. And I'm like, you ever deal with something like that? And he's like, actually, I have. I'm like, all right. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, things are getting better. And so I show him. And he's like, wow, it's it's in there. He's like, uh, all right. He's like, well, let me go get get my stuff and, and we'll get this taken care of. And it was the room was a bigger room that was just sectioned off with curtains and it sure. was kind of darker. So I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, all right, I guess it's happening here. So I took off my clothes <laughs> and I laid, <laughs> laid on the bed that was there. And this nurse, all of it, a couple minutes later, a nurse opens up the, the curtain. She goes, oh, my God. And she closes it quick. And she goes, sir, we'll take you into an operating room. I'm like, all right, that makes more sense, you know. <laughs> so we'll go into an operating room, and and uh, I'm th- I'm there for a little while, and and this time she said I could take my clothes off, put the gown on. <laughs> think, think, good thing you asked. Yeah, okay. and uh, she said yeah, the doctor. They usually tell you when you I know. need to take yeah. your clothes. I was nervous. It was a it was a weird situation. Yes, okay. it was, okay. it was Other weird all around. Going on, yeah. So uh, she left the room, and the doctor came in a couple minutes later, and upbeat Javier all of a sudden looked really serious and he goes Kyle I've got something that I need to talk with you about and I said uh, okay and back in my mind I'm thinking okay there's some crazy tick that he just looked up and he goes uh, I've had this uh, student following me for the past couple weeks and she'd really like to be in on this oh, operation no. I always say no I always say and no. I'm like Javier you've got to be killing me <laughs> And he's like, he's like, uh, well, you know, I understand it's kind of a, a, a touchy subject and all this other stuff. And and he goes, let's just get it done with. Let's just get it done. I said, no, it's a learning experience for all of us. I said, bring her in. She's like, are you sure? I said, yep. The good thing said, is well, you're somewhere where nobody will ever know well, you. Well, yeah. And right? I said, you know, That's when's true. the next time I'm coming to Nashville right? to the, you know, to the hospital, whatever. <laughs> Not you know, stopping in every hospitals every, they have, yeah. probably have there. And uh, in walks in. uh beautiful southern bell i mean golden curly hair brightest emerald green eyes i've ever seen and uh i would just (laughs) i was silent i didn't know what to say i didn't know what to think i'm just like oh this is so awkward so he he gets everything out and i at at, uh, attempt number two when i'm really white knuckling on on the the railings that are down below the the gurney there um he did get it out hundred percent he kind of put the tweezers up in the air and i saw the little tick doing the dance in there so i knew it was still alive and he goes i got it out and he goes we should we should burn this thing and he's kind of (laughs) walking walks around the end of the end of the bed and he starts flushing it down the drain and he's talking continuously for three to five minutes meanwhile this this uh this doctor in training uh, her name was emily emily s i don't know what her last name was but 
she's just standing right next to me and everything is still <laughs> open and exposed. And he turns around after the couple minutes and he's like, oh, we can we can kind of cover you up here. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, my God. So I guess if you're if you're a reenactor, you know, now I've learned that I definitely need to use a lot of uh, a lot of deet. And I got <laughs> a little skittish there for a while yeah. uh, laying on the ground reenacting. But uh, but yeah, that's probably the, the most interesting thing that's ever happened to me. As a reenactor. That story was well worth it. Okay? <laughs> yes, it was. I, I didn't know where we're going, but that was awesome. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate you coming on. This has been great. Uh, it's one of those uh, episodes where I have nothing, no knowledge going into any of this. So it was really cool to have you come in and explain some stuff and talk about it. Um, definitely a unique uh, hobby, we'll say, right? Yeah. Um, people don't like when I say lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it a lifestyle. Okay, Definitely right, a hobby. Right. Uh, hobby. Um, but obviously, if people are interested, have their own questions, uh, I'm assuming they can reach out to you, yeah. or even if they want to help out in some capacity. Uh, I know your your big project up there in Manitowoc. Um, um, so yeah, if you are listening, reach out to Kyle. I'm sure, he'd love to talk. Um, he's got his giant six pound projectile here with you, and I'm sure he'd love to show you. If anyone's interested in in uh, joining a local group or anything like that, you can reach out to me or literally just go to a reenactment. And yeah. if you've got an interest in cavalry, go talk to the people with the horses. You know, if you have an inf- interest in artillery, come talk to somebody with a cannon. And uh, most most units are are more than welcoming to to have somebody new try it out. Even if you just say, "Hey, I have no clue if I want to get into this or not. Is there any way I can join you for half a day, a full day, just the battle, whatever?" Um, what they'll get you up to speed. Job shadow here in Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and that's kind of what it is. And and most people when they when they do it for the first time, kind of break that ice. Um, they're into it. They they love it. It's fun. If you'll uh, kindly talk us out there, and then uh, it'll be the end. This is Kyle Kozlowski, and you've been listening to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way. <laughs>